0: coffee break where Helena comes to talk I am Troy Shockley and this is the coffee break podcast thanks for joining our chat today coffee break brought to you by Cochrane insurance another supersized edition we're sneaking in Bryce Bennett this morning to kick things off Bryce the Democratic candidate for secretary of state thanks for taking time this morning thanks for having me can uh, Bryce can you First, just introduce yourself to folks a little bit. Tell them who you are and what you're about.
1: Yeah, so my name is Bryce Bennett. I'm a fifth generation Montana. I lived in the state my whole life. I've been serving in the legislature for the last 10 years. Working on the important issues that I know that Montanans care about, looking out for Main Street businesses, making sure that in the middle of this pandemic, they're able to continue to grow and thrive, You know, battling the influence of dark money in our elections, making sure that it's only Montanans that have the final say on Election Day, which is just tomorrow. Very exciting. And keeping our public lands in public hands, making sure that we don't have a bunch of out-of-staters coming in here buying them all off and putting up gates and barbed wire to block us out of our favorite places to hunt and fish. So those are the big priorities that I've had over the last 10 years. I've been serving Montaigne's in the legislature, and that's what I want to bring to the Secretary of State's office.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you don't have experience in that office, but you certainly have experience in politics, being a state senator. Why? I mean, why politics? Why is that something you got into?
1: Well, it's all about service at the end of the day. It's an opportunity to make things better for working class people in the state. I mean, that's where my family came from. You know, I'm originally from a small town in eastern Montana. We can have a ton of money or opportunities, but we, you know, worked hard and brought together folks from different parties, both Republicans and Democrats, to get things done. I mean, you know, I tell people all the time that in these small towns like the one I grew up in, when there's folks up the road that need help changing irrigation pipes or sandbags that need to be filled, I mean, you just come together and you don't ask people what their political persuasion is, you just get the job done. And that's what I think we need in our politics today. We certainly haven't seen that in the secretary of state's office over the last four years. And I want to clean up the mess they've created over that time.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask, I guess. And you, and you sort of hit on it. There's just your motivation of why moving from state Senate, where you've obviously gained some traction, you've, you've got a lot of things going there. Why take a step out and and go after the secretary of state?
1: You know, this office covers so many of the important things that matter to me, that matter to Montanans, you know, I've spent my career in the legislature working to bring Republicans and Democrats to get things done and, and they've been focused a lot on the issues that this office deals with. Important issues like making sure that our democracy is strong, you know, secure, pushing back on the special interests that want to pour buckets and buckets of dark money into our state to drown out the voices of everyday Montanans. Uh, you know, it has a seat on the land board. I mean my opponent when she was asked about her vision for the land board said that she doesn't even know what the land board did and wants to side with a bunch of the special interests that would sell off our public lands to the highest bidder. I wanna make sure that your favorite places to hike and hunt and fish and explore are there for future generations now and into the future. And certainly Business services, you know, it's something I've been working on a lot in the legislature, and this is something that is directly connected to this office. I mean, I gotta tell you, I was deeply, deeply concerned when the story came out recently that said that this office has been stealing from Main Street businesses, overcharging them, and not telling them that that money was sitting in their accounts and not the accounts of our struggling small businesses, and that has to fundamentally change. So, after everything that we've seen, the corruption and the competence of the last four years, we desperately need some change in this office, and that's what I want to bring.
0: Bryce Bennett with us this morning on our uh, supersized coffee break. He is the Democratic candidate for Secretary of State. And uh, Bryce looks like a record turnout here in Lucy and Clark County, anyway, many other counties. Uh, as statewide, we're getting close to breaking the 2016 record. Why do you think so many folks are voting?
1: I think that folks understand that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. No matter who you are, where you come from, or or how you're gonna vote, I hope that people turn out, because it is so, so important to make sure that every single Montanan has their voice heard and their vote counted. I mean, we've seen an agenda in the legislature to try to make it harder for everyday folks to cast their ballots, to have their voice heard. And I wanna be a Secretary of State that makes sure that everybody, whether you're voting for me or against me or everywhere in between, you know, has their voice heard. And it seems like Montana's are really taking up that mantle this year. They understand that there are so many of the issues that matter to them on the line. And it's going to be exciting to see record turnout come tomorrow.
0: And uh, Bryce, you are small town Montana. You mentioned uh, Eastern. You're is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what is there? Three, 400 people there? Something like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Heisham is a very, very small town. And I think there's about 400 people there okay. when I lived there the school fit kindergarten through high school down one hallway. I mean, it was small town values to the T.
0: So uh, what perspective do you think that gives you that that would help you as secretary of state? Or maybe, maybe you know, what has what it given you that's helped you over the last decade in the state legislature?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I am so proud of the values that I got to grow up with in the small town. And it is a lot of what I was saying before about putting <laughs> some of this partisan politics aside, because in a town like that, you know, you don't just have the people of your own political persuasion or people that, you know, follow the same sort of ideology as you to lean on. You gotta make sure that the whole community is there to help you. And I don't know that in any of the situations like I was talking about where you need to help people change irrigation pipes, where you need to help somebody jumpstart their car, where you would say, Well, before I ask you for your help or before I help you, who did you vote for in the last election? That just doesn't happen. I mean, in the small towns, people come together despite their political ideology to get things done. I mean, that's what I've done in the legislature when it comes to protecting health care for ninety thousand Montanans, keeping our rural hospitals open, you know, pushing back on dark money, protecting access to our public lands, you know, looking out for Main Street businesses. These are the priorities I've always had, and those are what I will continue to have as your next Secretary of State.
0: Now, Bryce, I lived for a time in a class c community i was in broadview for a little bit they already know who okay. you voted for okay okay you know they don't need to ask you who they you voted for they know <laughs> i don't know how they know everybody it's knows Broadway. everything so let's clear that out yeah, truly truly <laughs> you, yeah. you helped uh you know was, values everybody knows each other's business that's <laughs> yeah. true that's true you uh bryce you helped fight against dark money in, uh, in Montana politics already. That was one of your focuses, uh, really, in uh, in the Senate. Maybe one of your uh, bigger achievements, I, I would think. I mean, why was that so important to you?
1: Well, I, and I appreciate that question. So, since the days of the Copper Kings here in Montana, we have seen what happens when the special interests want to run our elections, tell Montans what they're supposed to think or how they're supposed to vote. And, you know, I know that people are seeing especially this year, more and more ads on their TV and mail in their mailbox. And, you know, there's so much influence of money in our elections today, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, the bill that we passed in the legislature back in 2015, you know, pulled back the curtain from some of these groups that would pour a bunch of money into the state and would not tell us who they are, where they come from, or what they're spending their money on. Now, every single penny that is spent in our elections is accountable and transparent to the people of Montana. So you can go online and easily see who is it that's putting on these TV ads? Who is it that's putting these mailers in my mailbox? So that you have a sense of who's trying to influence your vote. And because of that, a lot of these dark money groups from out of state have chosen just not to play in Montana anymore, which is fine by me, because we need a lot more transparency in our elections. The Montanans are in the driver's seat every step of the way.
0: Bryce Bennett is the Democratic candidate for Secretary of State. we got about five minutes or so left with him this morning. And uh, looking at your time in the state Senate, because that, that is where you're bringing your experience from, uh, uh, talk a little bit about the Montana Privacy Caucus, because I've got to think that's, that's something that you're pretty happy and proud with as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, I've been... Uh, I was one of the co-founders of the Bipartisan Privacy Caucus in the legislature, and this is an issue that has brought people from a bunch of different perspectives together to protect the privacy, the individual private data of Montanans in every corner of the state. People that said that there's just far too much invasions into our personal lives coming from the government, coming from big corporations. I mean, we wanted to push legislation that will make sure that you know, the private information that is on your phone, that is on your computer, that's in your medical records, I mean, that you are acquiring every step of the way is protected as each of these different entities is growing their influence and growing their ability to hack into your private lives. So we've been able to pass some big pieces of legislation, you know, that have made it so that, you know, these big government agencies or these big corporations Aren't able to dig into your private life, and because Montana has a strong right to individual privacy, you know we've been able to move the ball down the field quite a bit. But there's still a lot of work to do, and we're going to keep fighting for Montana.
0: You mentioned it before. I I know public land something very important to you. This comes, uh, of course, with a seat on the land board. Can you explain to listeners the value of that? And maybe maybe there are people out there that don't necessarily know. You know what is the land board? What does it do? How important a part of this whole thing is that seat on the land board?
1: Well, it's absolutely critical. I mean, I think that there's not any Montanan out there that doesn't understand the importance of our public lands. And, you know, from folks that like to hike or hunt or fish or explore, whatever it is that you like to do on our public lands, I want to make sure that that's protected now into the future. I want to expand access to make sure that there's more places for people to get out there and enjoy these areas because we know that there's a lot of these out-of-staters that are showing up trying to block out our access, trying to put up gates and barbed wire to keep us from the places that we grew up, you know, hunting and fishing and, you know, getting out there and exploring these beautiful, beautiful, incredible places that we all own together. And that's what the land board gets to do. I mean, we have over 5 million acres of public land here in the state of Montana, and it's the folks on that board that comprises the governor's chair, the secretary of state, our state auditor, attorney general, and superintendent of our schools, they get to decide how that land is utilized. And I want to be an advocate for making sure that there's more access, not less.
0: Bryce Bennett, our guest to kick off our uh, extended coffee break this morning. He's the Democratic candidate for Secretary of State and uh, longtime state senator. Uh, Bryce, what in your estimation is the difference between you and your opponent as it pertains to just the land board and Montana public lands?
1: Well, I think there's a very stark contrast when it comes to the land board. And I I hope that people will think about this when they go to cast their ballot. And I know there's just a handful of people out there that still need to cast their ballot because we have great record turnout right now. But, you know, the the contrast is that I've spent my career in the legislature and you can look at every single vote that I've had, you know, fighting to make sure that we don't have the special interest trying to sell off our public lands to the highest bidder fighting these out-of-staters that want to put up gates and barbed wire to block off your access to your favorite places to hike and hunt and fish and explore. You know, My opponent has been working in the secretary's office for the last four years, but when a reporter asked her what her vision for the land board was, she said that she wasn't well versed on what the land board even does. And beyond that, you know, she's gotten support from these groups that are coming in from out-of-state with a strong agenda to sell off our public lands to the highest bidders. So it is a stark, stark contrast in this race. So. For you hunters and anglers out there that want to make sure that you have more places to get out to in the future, I'm your guy.
0: Bryce, give us your uh, your final pitch. I mean, as you said, there are still some voters out there with their ballots in hand. They're still sitting on the kitchen counter or the table. Uh, people that are going to, you know, that were planning to go and vote tomorrow. Uh, why are you the right choice?
1: Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And, and whoever you vote for, I hope that Montans will go out to vote because that's what I've been fighting for my whole life. I want to make sure that we have a strong democracy where every voice is heard and every vote is counted. I want to make sure that as a member of the land board, as I was just saying, we have more access to our public lands, making sure that your favorite places to hike and hunt and fish and explore are there for future. generations. I
0: think we might've just lost Bryce. Unfortunately, I think Let's, we did the, our our phone lines. Sometimes I don't know if that was us or Bryce. Bryce sounded like he had a little bit of a, uh, a, a rough connection right there at the very end. So, uh, Bryce Bennett is the uh, Democratic candidate for Secretary of State. He's also uh, been serving uh, for a decade in the state legislature, and I appreciate him taking time this morning. And uh, uh, Bryce, if you're you're hearing us now, I guess through your uh, through your radio or computer wherever you listen to us apologies for for that cutting you off and you know what that it, don't feel bad it's happened before it actually happened to uh to Rafe Graybill uh, here a little bit back, really about the same time. He was finishing trying to uh, give us his uh, his elevator speech and it cut him off. But you know what? I'm going to have him back because we we owe him about two minutes. I'm going to have him back for about five minutes tomorrow. Uh, so Rafe Graybill is uh, is going to be on the show tomorrow for a couple minutes, kind of giving us his, uh, his final speech as well there. So uh, Bryce Bennett, once again, thank you uh, for taking time this morning. If you haven't gone out and voted yet, you do need to go out and you do need to do that. You can Go by the city-county building and do it there. Uh, there's the, the drop-off location sort of right across the street. It's drive-through. It's, it's very, very simple, and it's very secure. So you can go and do that, or you can go and vote day of, and you can still register to vote day of. As long as you're in line by 8 o'clock as well to vote, uh, you're, you're going to get to vote and make your voice heard. So go ahead and be sure to do that. We'll, of course, be talking about that uh, tomorrow and, and and probably for the rest of at least the week with the way this thing is going uh stick around we've got more coffee break coming up we're talking uh, united after duty i'm gonna go see if jared is waiting in the lobby coffee break coming up i just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode you can always catch up we're on itunes so find our show there or swing by coffee break 959.podbean.com Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we're going to see if we can't get a hold of John Finn here in a little bit on the phone. We're going to find a way to make that happen. The gremlins are back in the system. But right now, we've got uh, Jared in the studio. Uh, Jared, it's Hickentheer, is that right? Hickathier. Hickathier. There we go. I knew I was close. Um, Jared is with United After Duty. Jared, thanks for coming by. I sure appreciate it. Can you First off, for folks that haven't heard you before, can you tell a little bit about what United After Duty is? What's that all about?
2: So United After Duty is a nonprofit organization that helps veterans transition back from military to civilian life. And in doing that, we try to help them um, get hooked up with benefits, disability, health care, get them enrolled in the VA, or at least get them contacted with somebody who can enroll them in the VA, as well as let them know about other organizations out there in the valley that are able to help them with their needs.
0: Yeah. So why are you involved? I mean, why is this something that's obviously very important for you?
2: Um, Well, I was in the Marine Corps for four years, and when I got out, I saw how difficult it was being out and how you don't really know about anything that's out there until kind of word of mouth and so i wanted to do my part in helping veterans during that transition Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so when did when did we start united after duty how old is this
2: um well i'd started united after duty around i think around 2017 but it was I think late 2018 that we got our paperwork saying that we were official.
0: Okay. So what have you seen in, in those two years? I mean, obviously still a very young organization, but I, I know you've been working hard and you've been doing a lot. I mean, what are some of the successes that you've seen already?
2: Well, we've gotten a few people hooked up with, um with the VA and hooked up with disabilities. Uh, I remember, There was an event that we worked at with a female. She was in the Air Force, and she worked a lot on the flight line, and she had really bad ringing in her ears. Um, I let her know about the disability. She had no idea, and I told her, you know, even if you get just 10% disability, that's around $130 that you can either Mm -hmm. use for gas, groceries, or your child's care. Yeah,
0: so you're making a difference in lives. It's fantastic work. Chair Hicathier is with us, uh, with United after duty, and you're working still even through the pandemic to make a difference. Um, how hard has that been? I mean, it's been hard for everybody, especially nonprofits, because it's so centered around that social aspect and getting out and helping people face to face. And right now, you just you can't really do what you want to do.
2: Yeah, it has been very difficult. Um, Luckily, I partner with some great organizations such as uh, United States of Hope. They're out of Missoula and Joint Operation Mariposa, who is out of. uh, Oh, man, where is it? Oh, I just I put you on the brain fart. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I know it'll come back to me, but. Uh, we worked with them and luckily, you know, they've been great partners with us. We've been able to do, um, we did a potato drive. I think it was during the summertime where we helped out um, quite a bit of families between here, Missoula, and where Joint Operation Mariposa is, is set up and located. We helped out. Roughly a little over a thousand families, but some oh. of those some of those families had um, multiple families in the vehicles. Yeah, that's so cool. And,
0: and coming up, we have Thanksgiving, um, and and you're working on something there. What what's going on with United after duty and Thanksgiving?
2: So with Thanksgiving, uh, we know during the pandemic a lot of people um, have lost their jobs or are struggling financially, and so between Helena and Kalispell, um my vice presidents and Kalispell, and so we're, we we want to give the families, veteran families, uh, Thanksgiving dinners. And so we have a little uh, sheet set up that we'll send out to people who are interested. And it kind of breaks down uh, on the list what, what we're going to get for Thanksgiving so they can mark off what they want and what they don't want. And so between here in Kalispell, we're doing 15 families up here and 15 families in Kalispell. Okay.
0: So – how, how can people help? I mean, what what, what do you need from us?
2: Um, people. We just need people to roger up and say that they want a Thanksgiving dinner.
0: So how do they do that? How, how do they get uh, Well, they
2: can go on our Facebook. Uh, they can contact us there. Or they can go on www.unitedafterduty.com and send us an email. And once they get in contact with us, then we'll send them out the flyer for the Thanksgiving dinners, and they can mark off and then email it back to us.
0: And and this is um, this is something that's okay to do. I mean, I I know I have got a lot of family in in the military, a lot of friends in the military, and I from talking with folks that from from them and with folks that have been on the show, there is still that sense of I I I got to take care of it myself. This is my job. This is what I do. Um, but it's one of those things where. It, it's okay to reach out. I mean that that's what you're here for. That's what you wanna do.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, um you know, especially during these difficult times, it's you know, it's a good time to, to kind of check the pride and the ego at the door and, you know, accept the help because we're out here and we wanna help and we know that during these difficult times, um, it can be very hard with this pandemic and we wanna do our part to make sure that families are taken care of and you know, we don't we don't start skipping holidays and we still continue on with life as we have been yeah jared hickethere is with united after duty and they're
0: helping uh helping uh veterans out there military families with thanksgiving and we're going we're to touch on that we're going to uh, tell you how you can get a hold of them again so stick around if you missed that we're going to circle around to it here in just a couple minutes but there there's also um a, a domestic violence documentary in here. documentary i can talk that uh, that you wanted to touch on i mean this is something that's far too prevalent in society, but it's in our community. I mean, we've had Jenny from the Friendship Center in. We've had folks with the city and the city attorney's office in. Uh, Lots of people have talked
2: about that. Uh, This is happening here. I mean, what's going on with this documentary? So domestic violence is a lot more prevalent than a lot of people like to believe. Um, And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people that are willing to tell their stories, you know, as much as you'd like to tell. And we're for the people who want to be seen we're doing video for the people who just want to be heard we're allowing them to just do audio so their face isn't shown um but it's it's a cause that needs to be talked about a lot more than it is especially during the pandemic because a lot of people are stuck at home a lot of people aren't able to leave or go to their job so therefore they're you know stuck at home with their spouse who is either physically or verbally abusive mentally abusive um, and so we want to get, we want to get it out into the veteran and the civilian community and let people know about how serious this, how serious this thing is. Yeah.
0: I mean, cause this is something that, I mean, it crosses all lines and, and certainly that includes civilian and, and military, right? I mean, that yeah, definitely there, there are no lines that this thing doesn't cross.
2: Definitely. And so what we're doing is, um, veterans who've been affected by it and as well as spouses who have been affected by it. And so we want to. So, how it affects the individual as well as how it affects the family and the children.
0: Okay, and so what do you need from folks there? Like, how, how do they get a hold of you? It's same sort of deal. I mean, what what are you needing?
2: Uh, same thing. Facebook and um, and on our website. You know, we're really needing people to to come out. Um, you know, we have a few women that have decided that they want to tell their story, but what we're also looking for is maybe a couple, uh, a couple of men that would like to tell their story because I know that there's a lot of men that go through this kind of thing too, as much as they don't want to admit it. You know, I had a good friend of mine in the military um, who talked about his wife abusing him all the time and we didn't really take it too serious because we always mm. thought he was joking around and then you get out and you start doing some research and talking to people and you realize like, wow, you know, it's time to step up and, do what's right and make sure that these people get the help that they need, you know, getting them hooked up with the friendship center and getting them hooked up with other resources that are available out there to them.
0: Yeah. Jared Hickethere is uh, with United after duty. Um, And so you mentioned uh, Facebook. I mean, do people just look United after duty? Is that how they find you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They can just go on there and look up United after duty and, uh, and they'll see us. Okay.
0: And uh, once again, you are looking for families to help out, um for thanksgiving remind people what you're doing there in case they, they weren't ready they, they've got the pen and paper now
2: okay so if you're if you're ready now um we're looking for families that are that are looking for a thanksgiving dinner or they would like to receive a thanksgiving dinner we know that during the pandemic um with loss of jobs shortage of money uh, a lot of people are struggling and even if you're not struggling and you would still like a thanksgiving dinner we're here to help you know it's uh can check the pride and the ego at the door and, and accept the, accept the help. And we're out here and we want to do our part and we want to make sure that people are taken care of during these difficult times. Yeah.
0: It's, it's such a cool thing. And I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Um, is, is there something that the people, if they're going, you know what, I don't need a Thanksgiving meal, but I want to help United after duty, do what they're doing. Is that something they can do as well?
2: Um, yeah, maybe get online and, contact us and i'm going to be setting up a location soon um for people to come out and get their dinners and maybe if you want to volunteer and help hand people their dinners you know that would be great dirt and in the dinners we're going to um also put cards for domestic violence and suicide prevention so if you're a little uh, domestic violence card if you're struggling or if you're in a situation and you don't feel safe with verbalizing it um You know, you can check on that card and say, I need help. And you can hand it to the closest person and, they can go get you the help that you need. Yeah,
0: it's it's such a great thing that you're doing, man. Uh, if, if you ever need anything, you got anything going on, you get in here, we're going to get you on the air. Thank uh, you. Jared Hickethere with United After Duty. Get online. Uh, Facebook, just look them up on there. And uh, you know what? If, if you missed any of that, you can also shoot me an email. It's Troy at MontanaRadio.com, and I'll hook you up with Jared, and uh, we'll get you the help that you uh, need, the help that you deserve. So, uh, Jared, thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, thank you for taking the time and— allowing me to speak yeah
0: absolutely Uh, stick around if we can make those phone lines work we got John Finn coming up Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for sticking around this morning for our supersized Coffee Break. And uh, John Finn is the director of the Lewis and Clark Library. John, thanks for taking time this morning.
3: Thank you, Troy, for having me.
0: Well, and we'll keep you as long as we can. We uh, our, our phone lines got rid of Bryce Bennett here a little while ago, but I, I think Kurt's got it figured out. So uh, we're we're going gonna, gonna to keep you around, John. Okay. <laughs> Th- things Thank have been you. a little bit <laughs> things have been a little bit crazy for you and uh, and your staff lately at the library. Last we had John, you were closing that branch location here in town, getting ready to move uh, well, a few dozen books or so back to the main library. How's yeah. that going?
3: Hey, that went well. Actually, um, we moved uh, twenty six thousand items <laughs> from that capital branch location in four and a half days, um, and uh, it took us another several weeks to get things back together. Um, but we're getting close. Almost all of those books have been put in the right place here in the the newly remodeled library, and we're getting those cleaned up because uh, construction was pretty messy here. So most of our books are have a, a thin layer of dust on them, and we're getting all those cleaned up and put back in place.
0: Yeah, well, that's just that's just bonus for people that check those out. You get a piece of the old library every time yeah, you check out <laughs> exactly.
3: a book. Right.
0: Yeah, because the library has, of course, been go- undergoing uh, construction for some time. I mean, uh, lots of great work is happening out there. What's the status of that? Where are we?
3: Um, so construction is pretty much winding down. Um, we have uh, a few touch-up things here to go. Um, we're going through our punch list right now. So uh, some finish work, um, some carpet stuff, uh, painting, um, little things uh, are still being done the vast majority of the work right now that's being done is being done by library staff. And that is, like I said, just getting everything back together. Um, Every inch of this building was torn apart. And uh, so office things are in different corners of the building from where they started and just getting all those things back together is really taking us a lot of time.
0: Yeah. I'm guessing in some ways uh, construction sped up with this pandemic, but then in other ways it probably slowed it as well.
3: Yeah, and uh, in conversations with our construction company, Dick Anderson Construction, they they said that this is probably the hardest type of remodel to do is when the tenant uh, still occupies and yeah. works in in the space. And so that's what we were doing. I mean, I I I was in my office every single day, and you know, public services staff was uh, checking in books all the time that uh, heavy construction was going on. So it it, it was kind of hairy at times, but. Um, yeah it was difficult yeah
0: so john tell folks what the construction's all about i mean for people that maybe know there's i mean i, I think everybody knows at this point that there's work being done out there but maybe folks are unsure why what's happening why did you go ahead and decide to uh tear apart the place
3: um so the building is now 45 years old and um work needed to be done to make this building uh safe uh during a, a seismic event um During some space planning activities that we did, uh, engineers and um, architects discovered that the original design of this building wasn't really safe for uh, a big earthquake. Um, And so part of the reason that we did this project was to make the building safe and sound, uh, but then we took that opportunity to um, make it more user friendly for uh, the modern age. We've put in a lot more power, um, we've updated the seating, um, made the the meeting rooms better. and uh, there there's so much light in this building now because we've added windows on every every portion of the building that we could everybody's going to be amazed at how much light there is in this building
0: yeah i think it's going to be great not and not just structurally better as you said but i mean it's going to look great functionally is going to be a lot better meeting rooms and that sort of thing uh what's the biggest win of the new look library in your mind
3: the biggest win is that um you know as as libraries grow throughout the united states um you know, we, we're still all about books, and so when you first come into the library and look into the library proper from the lobby, the first thing you see are going to be books. In the, in the pre-remodel, the first thing you saw was a big information desk, and it took a while to actually get to books, but now, as soon as you walk in, you, you are in the middle of books, and you're also in the middle of comfortable seating areas where you can sit down and have a conversation. Um it's just—it's a beautiful, welcoming space right now. It's—it's—it's going to be so recognizable as a comfortable place. Yeah. People who were so used to the old building.
0: John Finn is the director of the Lewis and Clark Library. John, when is this going to be done? When is, you know, when can folks actually go in and see the new library?
3: You know, we're working on that. Um, you know, besides the the work that we need to do to get things back together, to get the collections cleaned up and get rid of um, some older furniture pieces um, and make room for patrons. Um, we are also we have a, a reopening committee that is talking about what our safety protocols are going to be um, for COVID-19 um, related issues. You know, what's our cleaning plan going to be, what's our safety plan? Uh, are we going to have to limit the number of people that come into the building um, via uh, time limits or even the number of people in the building? We're working all that stuff out. We really don't have a timeline yet okay. on when uh, the bo- my library board is not in a rush at this moment to get people back into the building just based on safety issues. We're a small staff here, and if one of our staff were to get sick with COVID, um, I, I, am afraid we'd have to probably shut the whole library down, uh, just because we're so small mm-hmm. and so interactive with each other.
0: Yeah. Well, and we, you know, of course the pandemic's impact, uh, on the library. I mean, re- recently you announced that you, uh, at least for a time you closed the main branch. Um, and you're not, uh, of course you're not open full scale anyway, but, um, you, you closed for a little bit like holds pickups, right?
3: Yeah, we, we uh, had a, a close call here, actually, with a staff member um, who was in contact with somebody who was positive. So uh, we made the decision to close until um, we were comfortable uh, reopening. So we were down for about four days, and uh, that included the big snowstorm last Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I don't think a whole lot of people missed out on that. But um, we, we closed down uh, uh, just out of an abundance of caution and safety, but we got opened as soon as we could. And so we've resumed uh, Holds Pickup, and uh, that Holds Pickup is going great. Um, People that are able to call us and put things on hold or search our catalog and put things on hold, we're checking out a lot of stuff right now, which is really good news.
0: Yeah, so people can't come in and sort of window shop the books, but they can still get books from you.
3: Yeah, you know, we we are offering personal shopper services, so if you give us a call and tell us what you would like to read, you know, we'll put things together for you and get them ready uh, for you to check out.
0: Okay, so people, all they need to do is just uh, give you a call, or I imagine they can get online and and get quite a bit of information there, too.
3: Yep, they can certainly search our catalog and just put everything they want on hold.
0: Okay, and uh, so what, uh, John, what is online for people? If they're looking at online options, what's on the website? What's on uh, online that people can take advantage of?
3: You know, Troy, during this uh, pandemic time, we really beefed up our um, online services. So um, all of our book groups that we had in person here at the library are now online, and you can find out about those book groups on our webpage. Um, uh, Kids and teens are doing uh, great things online. Um, We have all kinds of downloadable Uh, books, music, movies available through a bunch of services like Access360, Hoopla, um, Overdrive, RB Digital, all kinds of different uh, ways to access books and magazines. Um, We are still doing all kinds of uh, events online. We are making uh, book kits and um, craft kits for people to take home. Uh, We're still... uh, uh, we still purchase a lot of databases, a fun new database that we have is called creative bug and it's a way for people to get in and uh, learn about arts and crafts uh, firsthand through videos. And uh, that, that's a really popular resource for us right now.
0: John Finn is the director of the Lewis and Clark library. We've got about, uh, about two and a half minutes left with him and uh, what, what's happening, John out at the East Helena branch in terms of, of access.
3: So uh, East Helena branch um, also uh, is offering curbside pickup right now. They were doing some browsing and some computer use, um, but uh, the recent study that showed that East Helena uh, their numbers were really increasing quickly uh, their COVID numbers. We made the decision to move back to on shelf or a uh, curbside pickup only at that branch. Um, so. We hope to get things back open for browsing soon, but uh, with the numbers the way that they are, they're they're just doing curbside at the moment. Augusta and Lincoln, those two branches, are still doing uh, browsing. So folks in those communities can go into the library and browse those
0: collections. Okay. And in East Helena, I mean, I know a lot of people use the library for, uh, for Internet access, for Wi-Fi. That's still available, like, if you're just outside or across the street even, probably, right? Absolutely. If you pull up and park outside,
3: you can access the Wi-Fi there.
0: Okay. And so in terms of uh, picking up books here, uh, w- what does that process look like, John? we got about a minute. I just want to make sure folks understand, you know, if they, they get online and reserve or if they call somebody in reserve, what then happens for them to get their books? What do they need to do?
3: So here at the main library, if you uh, put something on hold, you will get notified uh, via email that your item is available. And you just come into the library uh, into the front doors of the library. And that's where our hold shelves are. Um, and all the books that are on the hold shelves are already checked out to you. So you just need to find your book and pick it up and walk out the door.
0: Okay. And uh, my assumption is that masks are mandatory there. Masks
3: are absolutely mandatory. Okay. If you, uh, if you cannot wear a mask or choose not to wear a mask, you can call us and we can bring things out to your car.
0: Okay. Now you are uh, you're working hard to uh, make this thing happen in uh, very difficult times, John. So I appreciate all that you and y- your staff are doing out there. You already had to get new tennis shoes because you wore them out from moving <laughs> all that stuff. So <laughs> I, I appreciate all the work you're doing.
3: Well, I can't wait for you, Troy, and the rest of the community to see this library.
0: Yeah, I want to head back out there and do another uh, do another reading uh, yeah. session out there. That was a lot of fun. So I can't wait. Absolutely. to Absolutely get out there and explore the library again. John Finn is the director of the Lewis and Clark Library. John, thanks so much for taking time today.
3: Thanks, Troy. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. That's all the time that we have. We stretched it by 15 minutes, and we still ran out of time. That's what happens every day. Uh, We've got United Way coming up tomorrow. Uh, Senator John Tester, and as I mentioned, we're squeezing in a few minutes uh, with Rafe Graybill as well. That's all coming up tomorrow on Coffee Break.